Welcome back everyone, artists and artisans, fanatics and philistines, designers of every pixel and hue. Callum here. We are going to zero in on just one artwork today. It's something you may have seen being parodied in cartoons and few films. For those of a limited knowledge of art from history, we are looking at melty melty clocks on a creepy beach. This is the persistence of memory in 10 things. So before we start, let's review some rules of the road. If you can look up this painting for our audio description, I do advise it. I will make notes of where things are and what they mean in the painting. Also, I will give relative details about the artist, but focus more on the artwork. We will look at Dali in another episode. So, Without further ado, let's entertain this 1931 classic. Here we go! Thing 1. Let's look at the theme for what we can see. If you said it was about bunnies and flowers, eh -eh, you'd be wrong. If you said it was about time, you'd be right but with a little more to it than just that. It's about the eternal flowing of time. This will become more clear when we delve into the visual elements that make up this artwork. What I will say is that realizations of human relationship to time were challenged. Thus, Einstein was in vogue with Salvador Dali, among other artists similar to him. I know I don't have to go into much info off topic, but for the uninitiated, Dolly was a surrealist painter, and they dealt with art concerned with the subconscious and dreamlike visuals. Surreal. We'll look more at this on another podcast, but let's move on right now to Thing 2. Thing 2, a classic Dolly response. In the revolutionary wake of Einstein's theory of relativity that states that time is not fixed, many suppose the meaning behind this artwork reflects just that. Now, it probably does, but given Dali is the mad artist we all know him to be, yeah, he's mad as cheese, you'll excuse the pun for that in a moment, here's what his response was to said critics. And I'm paraphrasing. It was inspired by camembert cheese left out and melting in the sun. What's my take on this? I think deny the validity of that claim at your own peril. Now, let's move on to thing number three. Thing three. Number stats to put things into perspective. It was painted in 1931 by Dali who was 27 or 28 at the time, according to sources that cannot agree. It was then shown at the Julian Levi Gallery in New York in 1932, donated to the Museum of Modern Art in New York two years later by an anonymous patron. Now, that's quite a quick turnaround. It's been in the gallery for about 87 years at the time of this recording, so it's fair to say it's a long-standing member. More so than this, the painting itself is only 9.5 inches tall by 13 inches wide. Compared with some of Dolly's other notable works, this is quite small. 
Furthermore, sitting in its humble frame, it gives the impression of being in a window view, maybe from Dolly's summer home in Cadiz, Catalonia, Spain. Thing 4. A Journey into the Paranoid Dolly had a technique for his brand of madness seen in his artworks. The persistence of memory is just another quote-unquote hand-painted dream photograph which relies on representations of a hallucinogenic episode. Now, I want to make some points about this and break this down a little further. First, imagine being able to see animals and objects in a cloud formation or in the textured grain of a wall. This is the state Dali operated in whilst piecing this image together. Secondly, as a method, it was the process of which he could envision new ways of seeing that could allow multiple interpretations of an image, such as this one. Lastly, he did all of this without drugs, so in case you were wondering, no pills necessary here. Simply, view this as many other artworks of his, as everything is watching you, is bigger than you, and all you can work from is the logic of a nightmare. Thing 5. Painting analysis of a world made of opposites. Getting into the meat of this, where it is handy for you to pull up an image of the persistence of memory, we will explore what can be seen in the painting. On a surface level, you see oversized pocket watches drooping on an eerie beachfront, on a small tree branch to your left, and on some weird face mid-right and at the bottom. It's easy to see how, like in the last thing we addressed, it's a dreamlike hallucination. But, let's look again. Notice the opposites at play. The tree equals living, growing out of a table equals dead. The ants equal living sentient creatures. The watch thereon is an inanimate object. The faced-up pocket watches are all soft. The face-down one is solid. Seawater is a flowing entity. The shoreline is firm. The geography equals timeless. The watches equal the purveyors of relevant time, or even relative time. The cliffs in the background equals harsh. All the elements in the foreground are all soft and melting. You get a sense of timelessness via nature, triumphant over human advancements. And as for that creepy looking face, we will look at the face in Thing 6. Thing 6. A Soft Portrait The face identifiable as Dali's own, is soft like the pocket watches are. That's odd then, given that all the organic natural elements are shown as they factually are. This could have something to do with the common surrealist theme of metamorphosis, as in how a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. It's unclear what the face is changing into. Some think a horse, with the drooped watch becoming the saddle. Some say a dolphin, though I can't see that myself. 
the anticlimactic answer is, we may never know. But we do know it's Dali's face. Now, in line with the perceptions of all the opposites we talked about in Thing 5, he is as relative as the time is, as it melts away. Remember, this isn't the persistence of time, it's the persistence of memory. And memory is how we keep track of the fleeting instances of time. The harder we look at our old memories, the more blurry the details become. Thus, they are being melted away. Thing 7. The Astute Man Something to note about Dolly is that he was a sharp character. More than just the originality behind his artistic visions, he was studious and kept his finger on the pulse of the present moment. You see, Dolly was enthralled by Freud and his psychoanalysis, that's the psychological tapping into of our subconscious. He also had been reading upon Albert Einstein and his theories into the further sciences. Though the persistence of memory is a snapshot in time for the painter, Dolly reacted to the day's innovations throughout his working life. This will be relevant later. Thing 8. The First Melt A quick one here. There are hints of a melting clock in a 1930 piece called The Ossification of a Railway Station where you can see, centre-right of the canvas, time start to lose its shape. What seems to always be constant, however, is the desolate nature of his settings. But then again, remember, paranoia much? Thing 9. Where have I seen this before? This artwork has been parodied a lot in the world of TV, also in film. Here are a few examples of which. The 1990s cartoon Hey Arnold, for those of you who can remember that. The 1990s cartoon The Simpsons, pertaining especially to a Treehouse of Horror episode. The 2000s cartoon Spongebob Squarepants, where everything is going soft and melty over the grill. 2003's Looney Tunes Back in Action movie, and... YouTube the gallery chase from that movie, it is really entertaining. Oh, and it's an art history lesson in and of itself. The final thing, thing 10. Persistence of memory has a part two. Finished in 1954, the disintegration of memory is a visually atomized version of the 1931 painting, and everything natural now lives in squared segments being lifted away from reality itself. Many will say the persistence of memory took 23 years to make because they include this piece too, as one and the same. This piece is time relevant to the atomic age and was finished the same year the first nuclear submarine was mission ready. The disintegration of time is a new Dali for the new age. The proof of that lies in this quote. In the Surrealist period, I want to create the iconography of the interior world, the world of the marvellous, of my father Freud. Today, the exterior world and that of physics has transcended the one of psychology. My father today is Dr. Heisenberg.
Salvador Dali. Okay there everyone, pens and pencils down, that's the undeniable sound of this episode closing. I hope you found today's topic highly interesting, I hope you are inspired, empowered, and feel that you too can achieve great artwork. Yeah, I know you can do it. The links to my other projects are live in the description. Please do check those out. Do visit my website, my Pinterest, and my Facebook page also. Well, that's going to be it from me. I'll catch you all again soon at Art in 10 Things. Ciao for now.